Hey guys, Ian here with another episode of Unleash and Unhinged, the podcast where we talk about all things dog. Dog training, dog behaviour, dog health, literally anything you can think about when it comes to dogs, we'll talk about on here. We hope you enjoy the episode. back everybody we've got anthony de marinas here today from long island welcome to the show mate uh thanks for joining us yeah thank you for for having me uh mate i've been looking forward to this for a little while um one if we don't if it's all right with you do you mind just introducing yourself to everybody just tell us a little bit about yourself mate sure so uh i'm a dog trainer uh based out of long island new york in the states and um a lot of my work consists of behavior modification, working with uh, dogs with aggression um, who display aggressive behavior. And uh, I also love working with dog owners who just want to help their dogs, whether it's with leash reactivity or becoming a better um, family member that can coexist together in the home. I love trying to uh, create a team within the uh, dog owner and the dog. So that way there can be a uh, strong relationship. And yeah. And then for fun, I, uh, like I said, I love training. So uh, for fun, I do, uh, I do agility and sheep herding with my dogs and um, I have two Australian Kelpies. You're familiar with those, I assume. Yeah, I was going to say, that's that's very close to home. (laughs) (laughs) Very popular there, very rare over here. People think, like, one of them, they think that one of them looks, one of them's a German Shepherd. The other one, (laughs) uh, everyone thinks is a small little, like, mini, like, Doberman of some kind who's a puppy. So I always get, like, random things on that. Um, so, yeah, I do some sports with them. And then uh, right now I'm actually learning uh, mondeering with uh, my my uh, mondeering obedience, specifically with my uh, younger Kelpie, Quest, who's two. So that's uh, super fun and interesting. So, uh, so yeah, so I uh, I really like dabbling and, and learning uh, with my own dogs. So Nice. <laughs> Now, how uh, how did you come across a Kelpie over there? <laughs> you know, it's so funny. I never even met one before I got my first one. It's so funny. So, um, intru- so I mean, basically, one of my last dog um, had passed away. Uh, actually, he I had uh, decided to make a difficult decision to euthanize him for behavior issues because his aggression was getting a lot more serious uh, over time. Uh, towards other people specifically, and then towards me at some point. And uh, after, you know, I didn't have a dog for a little bit because uh, I just needed some time to myself. And I didn't know uh, what I really wanted, but I knew I wanted a dog I could do sports with. <clears throat> and I didn't even know what sports, honestly. I was sort of intrigued by agility, but I wasn't sold on just that. And then, um, as I started looking around, like, you know, I, everyone has a border collie. So I was like, well, I don't want a border collie because everyone's got one and I want something a little different. And I didn't, as much as I liked like Jack Russell's, which are cool dogs and I love training them. I just wasn't ready for another dog that had maybe a high 
uh, a high propensity to resource guard again. So I needed a little <laughs> break from that. So, uh, so then I don't know. I just, as I was kind of like Google searching breeds for sports, like the Kelpie came up and I was like, Hmm, you know, I've never seen one of those in person. I've, I've, uh, I don't know anything about them. As I started looking into them, I was intrigued. And then, yeah. And then one, just <laughs> my dog journey just happened to pop up, uh, because his breeder, had originally sold him and then the person backed out of the sale because I think she had just lost her job. And so he was just kind of hanging around. And so I think it was just like kind of good timing or whatever you want to call it. And um, yeah. And so I got him and um, he's a really cool dog. I mean, he was basically like out of the box, like ready to go and in, in agility. I mean, I remember my, the first time I did an agility lesson, my instructor was like, Whoa, I, he's like, he's good. Like I've never seen a dog take a tunnel like that for the first time. And I was like, Oh, okay. That's cool. Like I had no idea. I was like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing here. <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah, I just got like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I don't know. I just kind of, I just kind of like really fell in love with the, um, with the breed because then I started like, dabbling in sheep herding a little bit and that I kind of came across by accident and he was pretty good at it. And then that was what really uh, motivated me to want to get my second dog from my friend who breeds specifically for like stock work and, and farm work. Um, And she's super serious with her, her sheep herding, which is really cool. So, uh, so yeah. (laughs) Did you see a difference in the dog's kind of working potential from the, from journey to quest your first to your second dog yeah journey's bred more for sport uh like for agility so he's more of a sport line bred for agility he takes he takes like agility way more seriously than quest where quest is bred more from um from like a actual farm her mom's a mustering dog from australia um you know she is very serious about her sheep herding work, but agility, she, like, I, I am just starting to get back into agility with her after taking over a year off with her because she just found it very like arbitrary, kind of like, what the hell is this? What are we doing? Whereas journey like is very serious about it, you know, just like very level headed. Whereas quest, like you, you try doing something. She's loud. She screams. She zooms around like the facility out of stress because she just doesn't know like what to do with herself. So now that her and I are in a better place, we're going to make another attempt at that. But, but yeah, she like told, even though they're the same breed, definitely very different uh, work ethics for their sports. So like journeys, very good with uh, sheep herding, Um, but he lacks confidence in certain areas. Whereas with quest, she's really good at sheep herding and is very, is for the most part, very confident. She puts a lot more pressure on the stock, but she's not like making anyone fly anywhere or like, you know, not, not really, um, going in hard, trying to bite. She has much more control and, in uh, that aspect, but like you can see the difference in like the uh, stocks behavior. So, you know, I have a video of when my dogs uh, both saw cows for cattle for the first time and journey walked in and the cattle walked right up to him to sniff him, which was hilarious. And then as soon as quest walked in, she was 
maybe six months old, eight months old, something like that. The cattle wouldn't even approach her. Mm, She would quiet. Like I have it all on video. She was quiet, but more intensified. And they stayed about 20 feet away from her. Whereas when Journey walked in, they went right up to him, sniffed him, circled us like, like they had no care in the world about him. So it's very interesting to see two of the same dog breed, you know, this, excuse me, same dog breed, but two different personalities and, and different uh, ways of working, if that makes sense. Yeah. That's so cool. Cause I am. Um unless you're looking for it. I mean, that's, that's in the way the dog holds themselves in the eye contact to the stock. Like mm-hmm. they're real subtleties because essentially mm-hmm. just two dogs walk to the same door and then yeah. the cat, the, the cattle or the stock, they never lie. Right. Like yeah. it's, it's pretty cool to see. That's fascinating. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, I think I can't remember if I told you this, but I'm English and moved here. 12, 13 years ago. It's so funny because can I tell you that is so funny because <laughs> You know, I know, like, I know you're, you're in Australia, but the first few times I listened to you speak, and even when I was listening to your podcast not that long ago, I kept saying, wow, like, I really don't notice the Australian accent. And, and so I didn't know if it was just you were in a different region, uh, because you sound more English to me. So that's, and I usually, like, that might not be something I would typically pick up, but I noticed it with you. So it's hilarious that you're actually saying this right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it put, it, it depends who my audience is. If I'm with the, with the wife and with my Aussie friends, then I sound a lot more Aussie. Uh, get a beer in me, English as hell. <laughs> so, it's, it's, it's a mongrel accent. <laughs> I've been joking, joking for years that like, you know, Australians just, there's not many dogs bred in Australia. But mm. they kind of went a little bit all out. They're like, do you know what? We need one of these herding dogs that can run for eight hours a day in desert heat. So we're like, well, but we'll make a Kelpie. And that's a, <laughs> that's a really intense requirement. And then a few, then they were like, do you know what? We need one of them that can take a kick from a cow. So we'll put Dingo in it and make a cattle dog. <laughs> <laughs> bonkers. Like, it's absolutely bonkers. Yeah. They're definitely, um, you know, what I really like about them is they really, are an, kind of an all-purpose dog in many respects. And um, I don't know, I, I you know, like they're, they can be sensitive like a Border Collie, but they also have the same, I feel like that same work ethic. And it was funny, the first time I met uh, Journey, I remember the breeder saying, it's like owning a terrier. And I had no idea what she meant at the time. And then as I started living with him, I realized what she meant. Like they're, they're definitely more tenacious. They can sometimes be a little more independent. Whereas a border collie, for example, I find uh, is maybe a little more connected to their person. And it's not to say that a Kelpie isn't, but I think that they're depending on where you're looking, like with my dog quest way more independent. Uh, she's like I said, from a mustering line, I mean, those dogs were meant to go in the outback without their handler, go in packs of like however many dogs, right, to to work uh, the stock. And, you know, border collies, I find, are a little more uh, connected and maybe more willing to to listen or take uh, information from their person a little bit more readily. <laughs> so. Uh, so, yeah, I, I find it very uh find it very interesting. Like the Kelpie is just to me a very interesting breed. Um because of just like how diverse or versatile they are. 
yeah that is that's a that's a funny take like i like that like the terrier like comment because (laughs) it's it's true like there's some like not all like you said not all kelpies by any stretch but the level of the level of dependence or not dependence but the way that they'd work whatever whatever dog we're looking at like what way they Mm. would work with the person kind of kind of determines like how much they kind of really need us right like i mean we've got like that border collie checking in for social cues from us regularly Mm -hmm. because it's you know we work we're going to work the border collie whereas that kelpie that goes out and like you said just they could be (laughs) they could be completely out of sight and they're still got they're still going to know the job without taking cues from us. So of course they're going to inevitably be, and I, I can hear old mate down the, down like listening to this going, my Kelpie won't leave my side. And I'm like, yeah, good, cool. Like <laughs> not, not every Kelpie, but like it's, yeah. uh, it is, it's true though. It's like that. And Terry is of course like the epitome of it. They're like, fuck you. I'm finished. I'll, I'll come back <laughs> in, like, in a week. Like, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> my first- yeah, like quest is quest is that like, is, uh, it's funny because she is very connected with me, but she is also very aware of these, her surroundings, the environment. It's honestly what makes uh, the Mondearing obedience stuff that I'm doing very challenging. You know, you have a lot of uh, people doing it who have Malinois and, and I, I mean, like I watch them work and I watch their commitment and uh, their work ethic. And I'm like, oh, I love that. Like one day I might need to get one of those. But but like, you know, with with Quest, it's funny because like that hurting instinct of trying to focus on things, pay attention to the environment, your surroundings, maybe a little bit of trying to control um, movement or whatever it is. Um, just, she's very like a very aware of everything. And sometimes like something will catch her eye and it is very hard to do, uh, our obedience lesson because she is just so fixated on whatever is going on. So, so yeah, I, I find like, you know, I just, I don't know. I just find them to be very, uh, very, uh, it's like weird. It's like a herding dog, terrier mix in some way because she's very scrappy she loves like certain she will love to play and chase and be very hard in her play um like i said very scrappy little dog (laughs) yeah yeah i'm literally thinking of one right now that i um i'll be seeing in two days and i've been working with them for a while and Mm. she is she is just scrappy she's in the dog park you know you like we, you, you, there's times where it's like, that's just not appropriate, man. Like <laughs> reel it in, reel it in. But like, she's just doing what she was meant to do. And yeah, you know, it's like, uh, you know, you find me sometimes I'm in the pub and I'm like, that's, and I'm like, my, my missus, like, that's not appropriate. And I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> but I was meant to do. <laughs> I grew up in English pubs, not these polite Australian ones. Like, <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> and like, I, I like this as well, because we were going to, and, and I definitely can see how we're going to tie this in, because we were going to talk today about clarity and how clarity can help our dogs. Uh, in a number of ways, like, and we're going to talk a little bit about predictability and patterns and trying to help our dogs come to terms with things. But 
before we dive into that and that lens, I'm going to just take us off on a slight little topic because let's let's carry on down that route of your two dogs, right? You've got one dog that's a little bit more taking uh, taking cues from you, and another one of your dogs which is taking more cues from the environment, mm. and the amount of feedback we have to give them would be different for each dog, right? Like one of the dogs is going to take comfort from you probably just squaring off every edge, dotting every I, crossing every T for that dog so that they just know you've got your ducks in a row and they're going to take a lot of comfort from you giving that clarity. The Mm -hmm. other dog, if you try to do that, they're going to see that as micromanagement and probably get pretty pissed off and frustrated with you. Am I right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I would say um, Journey, is, who's my older one, he um, he's more pressure sensitive. He uh, looks to me more for information in certain situations, whereas uh, Quest in certain situations is more uh, independent. And it's interesting because even though she's more independent, there are plenty of times where she's definitely way more in tune or connected with me, whether it's around the house or um, if we go somewhere, it'll depend on the environment a little bit of uh, depending on whether or not she's going to be more like in tune with me or more uh, independent in that situation. Um, And I think it depends on the, depends on the context too. So like, Agility is way too much pressure for, for Quest to handle, right? And so she, like I was saying earlier, she would tend to kind of almost like blow me off, like run away uh, or uh, after doing a little a little sequence would run off with the toy or just run off and not want to engage because it was too much for her, which is why I, I ended up stopping uh, because it, I didn't find that she was enjoying it. I wasn't enjoying it with her. And I want to do things that my dogs and I can enjoy together. Uh, whereas Journey is very, very serious in his work with agility. And he, um, he need, he wants that instruction. And honestly, like there are times where you don't really even need to say anything. He'll just follow like your movement a little. But if you make a little mistake and you feel frustrated that you made that mistake, not even at the dog, just at yourself. He will react to that where he might actually like, I don't want to say shut down, but he might get a little bit sensitive to the way that I uh, react because I am a more of a loud person and my dog is not, you know, like he's a little more sensitive. So, so like I have to sometimes be very aware of like the way that I respond because he will be very, um, he will react towards that sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Like you said, the same breed, different yeah. needs, and context really matters in terms of in terms of clarity. Like there's times when our dogs want us and need us to step up and go, "Hey, man, I just if you do this, this is all going to be okay." And mm-hmm. there's going to be times as well where, like, if when Quest is on on mission and using mm-hmm. like. She's going to flip you the bird and go, no, I, yes. I'm, pre- I'm pretty good at this. <laughs> yeah. Just let me get it. It's funny. It's funny how that'll bleed into other things like, um, you know, like with her leash reactivity, for example, it's not a hundred percent 
uh, you know, it's not a hundred percent better, but it is like way better than when she was younger. And um, we were at a really difficult point where she just like constantly would react to like everything, especially dogs. Um, whereas now I use her for a helper dog in most of my reactivity cases, interestingly. And it's just really, you know, I, I think some of it just has to do with like, I mean, obviously she was a little bit insecure in some way or lacked confidence, but also again, that being very aware of the environment, wanting to maybe like control certain things or, or just like, what's that over there? Like that type of thing. Whereas journey as a puppy, I mean, he just didn't care. Like I use him for like, when I get puppies who are uh, young and uh, a little nervous, like or shy, he's the dog I'll use as a helper because he brings out like the best in them. He's just kind of like goes with the flow, like could care less a lot of the time. Whereas quests, like, She's the dog who will kick down the door and be like, what are we doing? You know, like, and is very intense. About it. <laughs> Thank God you've got one of each in the same household. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> if I lived on a farm. I think I'd have more of them, but <laughs> I think you'd be surrounded by mouths. If probably probably quite literally with every single one of them looking at you yeah (laughs) yeah what are we doing what are we doing (laughs) like sometimes i could be i could be on a call like this and quest will be over there in the corner and i could like i don't hear her but i'll feel her in like her eyes on me and i could see like she's sitting there waiting what are we doing what are we doing you know like (laughs) Nothing. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Get those little kelpy eyes off me. I'm not your stock. <laughs> it's um, I like I, I and in the build up to this as well. The like we were saying off the air about I'll repeat it, but like you know when we were talking about what topics to um, uh, will we talk about? And we talk about. I said, oh, how about clarity? And you went. <laughs> Can you clarify? And, uh, <laughs> and um, even even now, as we're talking, and you know, we we clarified it to some degree. But what I've just realised as well is, I'm talking about so far. I've been picturing it as in like how might our dogs respond to us giving instructions and trying to give them clarity. But the other thing that you're also describing is the environment outside of us. Like how are our dogs responding to that? Because one of your dogs. If there's a really unpredictable environment, like Quest is going to go and be very attentive to it and mm-hmm. probably, like you said, try to control it to some degree. That herding instinct is going to be is quite strong in that regard, whereas Journey, on the other hand, if the, if the environment is quite fluid and unpredictable, he just doesn't seem as sensitive mm-hmm. to it. He just doesn't need the clarity from his environment. It doesn't make him feel like he needs to control it and he doesn't need yeah. to be vigilant around it so this top yeah. so, it's a big topic like clarity <laughs> yeah and, and it's funny you'd say because as you said that i was thinking about the the one and only time i brought a journey into new york city into manhattan it was to go to um one of the specialty hospitals to go see a neurologist excuse me and um I remember because Journey's more of a sensitive dog. I remember when I drove in and we parked the car in the parking garage. 
I remember saying, this is going to be such a disaster. Like this dog is very sensitive. Like I cannot imagine the noise and everything being uh, something that he can handle. And it was hilarious. Like he was walking around the city as if he had never, like as if he's lived there forever, not a care in the world, didn't, did not care about anything at all. (laughs) And it's funny because like, I know if I brought Quest into the city, she'd be, She'd be fine with it, but I know she would be like, Ooh, what's that? Ooh, what's that? Ooh, shiny penny over here. Like, you know, all those little things would, would make her very like aware. Uh, she'd be very aware of, of, of her surroundings. And that comes down to that they, this, you can put the same dog into the same situation. Like I've, my, my dogs are no, by no stretch of the imagination are they herding dogs or anything like that, but I've got one dog that, his bomb proof, right? And, and when I say that, like a bomb could literally go off and he'd probably <laughs> raise his head and go, shh, right? <laughs> Whereas the other one is super sensitive to his environment. Yeah. And he is, he'll notice, you know, the neighbor three, four, three floors up, got out of bed and he's like, oh my God. What the fuck? <laughs> and, then, and then he's concerned for the next hour about it. It's like, did you hear that? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we all heard it, man. <laughs> but um, it, it's funny how the same environment will have that a different impact. And one of them, and, and again, it, it's nuanced because if yeah. if that particular, but with my two dogs, one of them that I he doesn't notice anything. He just doesn't seem to care. Mm. I he is the worst trained dog on earth. Like <laughs> in the, in the sense that he does not know. He genuinely is the only dog I've ever met that doesn't know what sit means. And I'm a bloody dog. trainer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he looks at me like I'm speaking Japanese and <laughs> he just, but he, but it doesn't matter to him. He just literally takes life in his stride and he is so easy to live with because mm-hmm. he just goes, yeah, that, that happened. And I do not care. You know, this reminds me um, of my, so <clears throat> my grandfather was from Italy. And um, when he moved here uh, to America, after, I think when my father was like 16 or so, they purchased uh, a little farm uh, here on Long Island, about an hour away from they li- where they lived. And then uh, I grew up uh, there when I was a kid. And... I remember the two dogs that he had that I grew up with around him. They didn't, they weren't trained in the sense of sit down, stay, all of that type of stuff. They just were trained in real life scenarios, learning life skills on the spot when they were with him. So he had a 10 acre, you know, farm and the dogs were just able to roam the farm with him. If he was on the tractor, they'd follow him or they'd be on the tractor with him. If they went, you know, um, somewhere on the property to do some work, the dogs would come with him. And it was all just through basically learning and living together on the spot. And it's funny because I think to some degree that was more natural to those dogs uh, living in that particular uh, situation And I think it came naturally to my grandfather to a degree because of the situation they were living in. They weren't, they weren't, um, 
uh, they weren't like living in like New York City. Um, you know, I mean, they did partially like live in the suburbs, you know, because he didn't live on the farm. He would, you know, go out there on the weekends or whatever f- for extended periods. But um, I think that it's interesting when you look at the clarity piece, because he didn't sit there do it like he didn't go to a home. Like it wasn't like a trainer came to his home and was doing like training to do recall or off leash or how to be polite when guests come over, like what you and I are hired to do. Yeah. None of that was happening. It was simply they were just learning on the spot and they were learning both through the signals he was giving with his body, what the environment was giving them, and also um, you know, what he was giving to them verbally too. And sometimes that would be, you know, verbal praise. And sometimes that would be him kind of getting angry and like, yeah, hey, like get out of, you yeah. know, and that, you know, like, and, and, but if you look at it, like, I mean, those dogs were actually really well trained. They never ran away. The one time he lost his Jack Russell, the dog was sitting in his car waiting for him to, to actually <laughs> leave because they were packing the car on a, on a Sunday to go back home and the dog hopped in the car while like my grandfather was occupied and he didn't realize. And they searched for an hour for the dog and he was just relaxing in the car waiting for them. (laughs) And then they get in the car thinking like they they're leaving or like, we can't find them. We lost them. That's it. And they turn the ignition on and they start driving out of the driveway. And my grandfather turns around and the dog's just sitting on the seat. You know, so like it's the only <laughs> time he ran away, if you want to call it that. You know, and and this dog just like I remember, he just lived like the ultimate life. And I I remember the looking back on it, the clarity that my grandfather gave to him in certain situations of just living. Mm-hmm. together like two beings of different species of animals living together coexisting in in their environment and and in two different environments like a farm for half the week and a suburb for the other half of the week um and there was no training there was never treats being used i mean like it was just honestly it was a lot of environmental rewards or just connection together with the relationship they built uh, over time through the experiences that they had together, if that makes sense. Yeah. It makes so much sense to me. I think, um, this, that just definitely yeah, actually describes my life with my dogs. Like I, I have to manage the other one. I have to provide more clarity to the other one because he freaks out. And I'm like, okay, man, like go lay down. And that, alone now is enough to help him go okay cool it was just john upstairs that's fine um Mm -hmm. and i have to provide him with that bit more clarity he's just a bit more of a warrior and he looks Mm -hmm. to me for guidance and so i have to provide him with that but for the most part now i mean he's he's four now and he is he's come around to the point where it is that easy. I'm like, okay, buddy. Yeah, we heard it. Go lay down. He's like, cool. Thanks for telling me. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> but, um, there. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. John still lives there. <laughs> but it's, um, even when, uh, when I'm hired, right. By, by people to help them with their dogs, I am not the trainer that's going to go, okay, we're going to, practice sit stay come like mm. shit i actually don't remember the last time i trained anybody that like 
Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I will use real life protocol. Like, okay, yeah. what hap- what happens when? Because normally, normally for me, somebody's called me and they're like, "Hey, my dog does X in," and then we'll find out in what in what circumstances. What what circumstances are you, are you experiencing that? And then we're gonna go. Okay, is that something that we should be training the dog first of all? Like. Obviously, if it's really dumb and going to cause a ton of anxiety for the dog and the dog doesn't need to do it, then sure, we're going to find something else to do. But a lot of the time, we're talking about a real-life situation, like uh, my dog needs to go out to pee and he's lunging at other dogs. I'm going to put a lot of emphasis on how do I make that real-life situation work for that individual? Mm. I'm going to pr- try to help provide a lot of content because I don't need that dog to learn necessarily. I don't necessarily need that dog to learn that skill anywhere and everywhere. I just need that dog to be able to go to the toilet three, right. day, three, four times a day. Um, well, especially <laughs> the amount of dogs that you said you might see in, in your um, environment, um, you know, because you live in a busier area. So, yeah. It might, you know, I mean, some, just being able to navigate through the environment is more, it might be for you way more important um, in that context. Yeah. Like, that's it. Like, providing clarity for the, for the guardian. Like, how to, how to make this situation reasonable, if not pleasurable. <laughs> like, yeah. And then, yeah, I think. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, yeah. no, please. Go, go. I was going to say, I just, I think, um, I think it's a, I definitely think it's a mix. Like for me, um, for me, I know like with my own dogs, I just enjoy, I just enjoy training. I love it. Uh, but that's also because my dogs enjoy it. And, you know, I wanted, I'm, I'm going to do what they enjoy. Like journey actually hates training with food. He finds food uh, rewards, very aversive. Actually, if you hand him a piece of food, he will half the time, like turn his head and even like cower. Um, he's always been like that since he was a puppy, which is interesting, but um, you know, like I just love, I love the concept of training because of the connection and the bond and the relationship it can develop. But at the same time, it's, going to depend i said i would say that at some point when you <laughs> said it before so there it is um i think it does depend on not only just the dog but also the owner so as much as i want to train sometimes for some clients they're going to tell me they're not going to do the homework or that's going to be too much effort for them i have to figure out okay is what you want to do here realistic and um based on what you're saying you will and won't do and is there another way that i can maybe help you uh without it becoming this full on training plan that you need to do uh x amount a day or a week versus like my grandfather with his his dogs we are here in the situation right now and this is what we're doing and sometimes that's going to be way more clear to the dog because it's on the spot. And when they're put in that situation over and over and over again, you're, and they start learning about that. It becomes, uh, it becomes predictable to them. So that predictability is what's creating clarity. And you know what, um, Kim Brophy, uh, a mentor and friend of mine always says is 
clarity and predictability is usually going to reduce anxiety or whatever uh, behavior or emotional feeling might be occurring in that situation for a a dog or a human. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I think, I think it kind of depends. I think for a dog like quest, for example, training is what brings clarity to her because of the individual dog that she is um, versus for journey. I have to do more on the spot, real life type of things based on the context, because for him, just a training session on its own at home or in the environment is kind of arbitrary to him. He's just, and he finds it averse, honestly, he finds it very aversive. So, um, you know, whereas quest is like a little machine where she find like finds that structure, uh, very uh, valuable for her. And I also wanted to say that, I think it also, again, it depends on the owner, like I was starting to get at before. For some owners, providing an actual training plan yeah. with skills for a dog is also very structured and clear for an owner because it might help provide them with a vision of what the end goal might look like or why we're doing X, Y, and Z. Whereas for some people that actually might be very abstract and doing a more on the spot approach, like what my grandfather did, like I can imagine like me as a trainer, my grandfather would not have been able to give him a training plan. It would have been like, we are here, we are here now, and this is what we need to do now on the spot. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. No, it's so true. It's so true. Like I'm picturing at the moment, I've had this job recently where the crux of the issue was there's can I just interrupt you for a second and just yeah, I want to just show you. I said I could feel when a dog's eyes are on me <laughs> so just walked in and I, and I could feel her I could feel her like what are we doing <laughs> see her eyes just burning a hole like I felt them I felt them hit my soul then <laughs> now for the rest of the time you're gonna know she's there too you're gonna feel it I want you to feel the pain with me right now <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, my guys are out cold. They're like, um, "John's asleep." So, <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to no, interrupt. It's great. I love it. I'm glad I met. Her. <laughs> yeah, um, I was. Uh, I was. Um, oh, that's right. So I've had this client, and these were the clients that. So the job itself, in a nutshell, like, yeah, this is like the crux of it, but like, essentially, as soon as they pick up the leads to get ready to go out for a walk, these dogs genuinely go ballistic. Like, like, they're not aggressive, but they're jumping up. They, they did actually jump up and pull the leads down so hard that they toppled the lady. Um, and she fell over and injured herself. Uh, she's been pulled over on the walks. These aren't mm. big dogs, but there's two of them and they're maniacs and they're just, high on life right like they're a lot of dog and they're vocal and you could hear you could see it in this lady's face she was so over it so so over it and all she wanted was it to be resolved and she's just i just want to take the dogs out for a walk and then not lose their mind i'd rather not be pulled over um which are all reasonable requests 
and I, and I, my, went to my go-to in that. And, and the first time I met them, I was like, okay, we're going to, we're going to just set it up so that we're going to try and do X, Y, Z. And very quickly I realized I was lumping. I'm like, yeah. And I knew that this lady wasn't going to want to break it down because she mm. just wanted it fixed. And I had to. <laughs> and so the first week of us doing any work, like you, you're not going to get out for a walk. You're literally just going to be able to pick up the leads, walk to the sofa and just practice sitting down with having picked up the leads, stationing your dogs. And you could see the annoyance in her face that first week. Fair play to her. She went and did it. because. So you're saying, so just to clarify, what you're saying is when you were trying to break it down into little steps for yeah. her, it was more... In some way, it was a little more of a nuisance or stressful yeah. uh, to her because she just kind of want the client just kind of wanted the issue resolved and yeah. not have to go through all the steps of getting to wherever the goal yeah. was. Right? Okay. Yeah. And I tried, and I tried to give her that. I'm like, okay, look, because these dogs aren't aggressive. They're like, in some regards, you look at it and go, it's barely a problem, right? They're just loud and they're boisterous, so you know. It's not that yeah. bad, but it was, it really was like, it mm. was, it, you know, it was, it, when it was only going to get worse because what was happening every time she rushed to get them out the door, they just learn the faster, the harder I push, the, the faster you move. And it was just getting worse. Mm. Um, and so I asked her to do this exercise where she picks up the leads, walks to the sofa, stations the dogs, puts the leads back and that, and maybe repeat if she felt like it. But if she didn't, I wasn't going to make a, you know, I was also like, yeah, I know this annoys you. So I'm not going to ask you to do it, it, it twice if you don't want to. And I genuinely walked out of that thinking, she's not going to do that. She's just not mm -hmm. going to do it. She just didn't, didn't feel like the kind of person that really wanted to break it down. But fair play, she really did. And I get there the week later. And because, like you just said, she could map out where this was going now. She'd mm. seen a bit of success in the first couple of days. She was able to pick up the leads. They weren't barking anymore, and they were pretty much going to station. Um, and she's like, oh, this is actually working. So she jumped a gun, and she, I mean, in a really positive way, she'd started picking up the leash and the harness and taking that. And so we were able to break that down. And bringing that back to clarity, like you said, like I was able to, well, the client was able to see where it was going because mm – -hmm. There was actually, in that process, I'd explained, these are going to be the stages we're looking for. Um, but the dogs as well, they got that clarity. They're like, okay, you've picked up the leads, and then we're doing this. Um, and then we could add layers to it. And both parties started to actually really enjoy it. And before we know it, like, it wasn't a quick job. Like, they live in a house where in order to get out for a walk, it takes two, three or four minutes. And if these dogs were losing their shit after 0.5 seconds. So the reality was this still took four or five weeks for them to be able to get out the house for a calm mm. walk. But you've got a nine month old dog and a four year old dog that are going to now live for many, many, many years with calm walks for four or five weeks was bloody worth it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause you know, as you're saying this, it's making me think about simple things that a lot of us do without realizing 
um, and, and things that maybe like you or I might now teach our clients. And that can just be from the experiences that we have over time with training clients or our own dogs, but, you know, letting a dog know simple things, uh, sometimes like, again, on the spot can be helpful. So like, I'm thinking about when I want to start a training session or I want to start a play session, or I'm going to go for a walk, or I'm going to finish a training session or play session. I have words or phrases that I use that are providing feedback or information to the dog to let them know this is what's going to happen now. So little things like that, I think, can be so helpful in situations like what you're talking about, especially now, like your your client, you know, definitely like went through the process and and there was a long-term goal at the end that it kind of was one of those things where, hey, we have to kind of do this if we want long-term, lifelong success. Um, and then there are situations where if you just start planting those little seeds over time, it's going to, you know, grow or you could use those things in other scenarios. Uh, like an example, when I... Sometimes like if I want to teach, you know, like client, a lot of clients, they get annoyed or angry with their dog and, um, and even us too as trainers, like sometimes just like, Hey, just shut up, you know, stop, yeah. you're annoying. <laughs> and, um, we, you know, like people have things that they'll say or do, but they don't even teach or condition the dog to it. And some dogs might learn it, mm. but some dogs might not. And so it could be as simple as just conditioning your dog to something. For example, like I teach a lot of clients a phrase that's enough, which means when I say this, we're that, that means to stop or cut it out. Mm. Um, and that could be as depending on the situation, that could be as simple as I say the phrase and then I will physically remove the dog by just like, maybe they'll have a little drag line or something on them and I just go and I pick up the leash and I walk them 10 feet away just as a way to like say like when I say this and then I follow it up with just removing you over time I want you to understand that when I verbally say that that means to stop because eventually I don't want to have to keep walking over and picking the leash up and removing you um you know I, I have a video I think I posted like a month or two ago on on uh, social media and it was my dogs playing in the kitchen on the tile floor and, and journey has some neurological issues with his back. And, and so quest was starting to get a little rough with him. Yeah. And so I was sitting about 20 feet away on the other side of the room. And I just said, that's enough. And they both dispersed, like they both just split up and that was it. I didn't need to go there and, and intervene physically or anything like that. Um, but just teaching that through some repetition, it wasn't involving treats. It was just very clear and simple. I say this phrase and it's followed up with me just removing you in this context. And then I can use that in other situations. Maybe I can use that when you're being a little bit obnoxious or overly excited when we're getting ready to leave the house, uh, like with your client, for example, or I see you're staring down that dog over there and I feel like you're going to maybe do something. Maybe I need to just let you know, Hey, just stop that. Right. Um, now that's not like a full training plan or behavior modification plan. Like there are other things that we need to do, but for some situations that might actually be the most appropriate or the clearest thing for the dog and for the owner, 
So, um, you know, it's just a, just a little example that I was thinking about as you were just explaining this case, you know, like, uh, on, on like just the thought of what does clarity look like for certain situations? I think, yeah, I think you've like touched on something there. Like I, I'll use a similar phrase and it's more of a mannerism than something I've deliberately trained, but I suppose actually that's a lie. Like early days, I would have not necessarily deliberately conditioned the word, but I did want one of my dogs to understand when to stop harassing the other dog. Mm, Uh, We had a puppy and a 10 year old, right? So the puppy just, we needed to be able to go, Hey buddy, like you're not in (laughs) trouble, but you also, you just can't bloody do that. Yeah. Um, And he wasn't picking up on the social cues of the 10 year old dog. He just wasn't picking up on them. So as much as I would like my dog to learn these social cues from him, it just, there was times when I'm like, no, I'm definitely going to have to intervene here. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, similar, similar, like I didn't necessarily deliberately put the word that'll do on it because, but that's, and that's what I ended up saying. Cause that's apparently what I say. And yeah. every single time, I'd go, that'll do. And I would just intervene. Like there's no, there's no punishment involved. There's no, you know, I'm not, I'm all I'm doing is manually just stepping in and guiding Mm -hmm. the two dogs apart. Yep. And as, and then I'm going to watch the situation. I'm going to like, you know, my supervise. And if puppy gets up, I'm not necessarily going to do anything, but I'm going to monitor like what his, what is his, intention in that moment because if he gets up and he just wants to get a drink not a problem if he wants to get up and move to a a calm spot if he wants to get up and go and play with a toy none of this is a problem the only thing that would be a problem is if he goes to re-engage with the older dog because we've just decided hey buddy that was actually off the table right now yeah and so if i notice that that that's his intent which it was a lot of the time because he's a naive puppy I would, I would step back in and go, no, 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 that'll do. And just repeat and provide clarity for that scenario. And yeah. it's these bounce, like we, we got this, we, we, we fall into a trap of like, if we don't provide it, sometimes it does involve saying no, right? And, yeah. it, and it doesn't, it doesn't mean it has to be, um, aversive or punit, like, it doesn't have to cause pain, fear, intimidation mm-hmm. for the dog. It's just okay. literally like, Hey buddy, you know, quick, come on, like get yeah. off, get off this old man's bag. He's tired. Yeah. Um, and nobody's in trouble here, but you just can't do that right now. And that clarity in the end absolutely helped these two dogs learn how to live together happily. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's honestly like what it was with quest and journey. Cause they're just two different animals. And so, you know, like one's rough and one isn't. And, and I needed quest to understand if, if you're going to stay here uh, and you have to learn to coexist with us and you have to understand like, this is how we were living before. And this is how we're going to basically live together. Now that you're here, like nothing's really going to change but you have to follow some of the rules like just this morning before the call i was sitting in my in here in my office just doing some work and i gave them both uh a bone to chew on and and at one point she went over to go see his and 
And I was just watching. I was like, let me just like see how this plays out. And she just stopped. Like she didn't go any closer. He was just minding his business, chewing away. And she goes over and continues to just watch and watch and you'd see. And I just went over and I just looked at her and I said, Hey, that's enough. And she just left and went back to her bone. And, and so, you know, and this is where like there are a lot of options that you have available when you're training and sometimes. And, and you have to just figure out what that option is that is the clearest for the dog or makes the most sense. And some people might teach an alternative behavior or an alternative response, which is fine. But for me in this situation, like if she was continuing to be pushy and not understanding, then I would say, hey, you know what? Go to your bed over there. Yeah. You know, like leave him alone. Like you have to go over there and, and knock it off. But but like. But I didn't need to do that. All I needed to do is say, hey, that's not okay. Go, you could do anything else you want, but you can't do that. You know, so it's not like I'm sitting here trying to force you or make you have to do all these other things that might even be a little arbitrary, quite honestly, in the situation for the dog, right? It's just, I just don't want you to do that one thing over there. Yeah. Just leave him alone. But you could do anything else. You could wander around the house. You could go grab a toy. You could play with your bone. You could go lie on the bed. You could go on, lay on my bed. You could go lay on the couch. You could really do almost anything else within like, you know, the rules, basically. Yeah. Don't jump on the table. Not that she does, but like, you know, all the other things you're allowed to do, like you're, um, uh, what's the word uh, my buddy uh, says all the time? He says, I think you're at liberty to do whatever you want, uh, basically, which is, kind of, I, you know, I guess that's a good way of just for this example on how to explain it. Uh, but like, you can do whatever you want. Just don't do that. Yeah. It, it's also, it, it does come, I think it's also important to clarify, uh, not clarify, but just also for anybody listening in, you and I, we're talking about these situations where we also do have a rough idea. Like, not, like you said, but you can do pretty much whatever the bloody hell you want, mate. But I've got a rough idea of what a healthy mm-hmm. scenario would look like. Yeah. And so I'm going to, I'm going to steer it towards something like that. But I'm also going to, that clarity, like for me in my own head, before I've given them a bone, right? I'm going to have a pretty good idea of what a healthy, uh, scenario would look like and what an unhealthy one would look like. Yeah. And so as, as one of your dogs approached the other one, that was an indicator to, Hey, look, we're verging on, we're going to be borderline on the unhealthy scenario here. So mm-hmm. my alarm bells start to just like, I start to notice and I start to go, Hey, look, we're going into territory that I have identified prior to even beginning this, that, we don't want to go down that route. And that's important for anybody listening in, like that clarity within ourselves as to what this should look like and what it shouldn't helps us just coach the dog. We don't have to micromanage the dogs, but at the same time, know roughly what the bloody hell you're doing before you go and do it. Right? <laughs> yeah. And I think also that is, um, that goes with like, setting them up to be successful. And yeah. I, I'll actually, um, like you were saying, you don't need to micromanage. And in, actually, in some cases, maybe you do. Like yeah. with Quest is actually a good example. Like as a puppy, she needed to be micromanaged for uh, her overall success. And what I mean is at night, 
when it was time to wind down and we were just going to hang out and I was going to watch TV, she would go in her playpen in the corner of the room and Journey was able to be free to do whatever he wanted like he always had before Quest came here. And and I was doing that on purpose. So one, he was comfortable because that was the most important thing for me because I knew she was comfortable right off the bat because she was just, I, I knew her I knew where she came from. I, I, you know, had watched prior litters from this breeding pair grow up. I knew the parent dogs. So I knew overall she was a pretty well-rounded social puppy. Uh, but I knew Journey, it was going to take him a little time to maybe get used to the changes, even though he liked her. So I wanted him to be most comfortable. And, and because she was a little bit more on the wilder side, her nickname is Rebel because she is one. <laughs> and, and I needed to manage her a little more just so that way there was a little bit more, I guess, control is the best way to say it, to control the situation. So that way it didn't, all hell didn't break loose. And that way she just learned, like, this is how we live together. And then eventually I was able to start weaning her out of the playpen in that situation where she was able to just hang out on a dog bed on her own by her own choice, you know, um, rather than like having to actually like demand and tell her to yeah. go there. Cause I, I really like don't need you in that context to have to go to your bed. I just need you to like hang out and not bother my other dog or destroy the house. <laughs> I really love this because like, again, like it's really weirdly similar with my own too. like Otis, the, 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 the younger dog, the bit of more like sensitive dog is the dog that will just get, he's the one that I had to police with the play. Very similar. But what you've just described there is how predictability and creating a pattern can absolutely create clarity, which helps the dog reduce the anxiety because they understand what the bloody hell is going on. Like um, you said, you know, what you've described is in the evening, we, set a scenario where we asked the dog, we, we micromanage, but we set a scenario. Like I did exactly the same. Every time we sat down on the t- to watch TV um, in the evening, it was when Otis decided this is my wishing hour. I'm just going to go bonkers. And it was also the time where the rest of us, me my wife and my other dog just wanted to relax. So yeah. in order to help him understand what the expectations were in that scenario, we were super consistent. And it wasn't, we didn't, honestly, we didn't love it. We actually really wanted, what we wanted was to spend time with him cuddling on the sofa. It was the one thing we couldn't do because it's also the one thing he didn't want to do. He wanted to jump on our heads. He wanted to pull (laughs) hair out. He wanted to chase the other dog around. So for quite a while, until he picked up on the pattern, we stuck to the pattern. We would come into the living room. I'd literally use a tether and Mm -hmm. give give him a chew, give him his bed. And we create a pattern every evening. And it's got to a point now where if I walk into my living room, he just drifts onto his bed and he waits for a cue. Am I coming up or am I relaxing? And it's yeah. really, really nice. But we actually had to make quite a lot of sacrifice from our, cause like we didn't want him to be down on his bed. That's the reality. We actually, but it was one of those things that we had to go, okay, in order to get to where we want to be, we have to do a few things of what we don't want to do it was so worth it and it helped the dog it we were it actually came about because i mean i inherited otis when i met my wife right mm. and it actually came about even though i'm a dog trainer even though 
all of the all of the my you know professional experience i was getting pissed off at him mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. what was happening was in the evenings this was all happening this dog was going bonkers and all i wanted to do was just like tell emma to tell the dog what to do because i'm like he's not my problem but he was <laughs> and, <laughs> and it, it got to a point where i was like this actually just needs to stop i'm getting so annoyed at him which isn't fair on him because me raising my voice despite being a dog trainer me raising my voice at my dog is oh, it's just the opposite to why we get dogs i'm like that's i don't want to do that with my dog so in order to stop being a dick to my dog i had to step up and give clarity to my dog so that he understood what my expectations were and that helped him it actually helped emma understand what my expectations were as well and now the whole family is just so much happier because there's there's no muddy you know there's no muddy lines anymore everybody understands that that's what we wanted cool yeah, yeah, I, I as uh, you know, and it makes me think about even like a simple thing. I'll give you an example, maybe for like everyone who's who's listening. I think a simple thing is like when I'm cooking dinner or I'm sitting down to eat dinner. Like that's a common problem. I think a lot of us as trainers uh, have with clients wanting help. And the thing I do, especially if it's a puppy, like one of the first skills I teach owners is. When I want to give you some structured chewing time, so that way you're chewing on your stuff and not mine, I will simply like lure the puppy or guide the puppy over to their dog bed or their playpen or wherever their special like quiet time spot is going to be. And I'll lure them over with the bone. I'll show them their brand new bone that I just took out of the closet. And hey, look, look what I have for you. And I guide them over to that spot and I place them on the dog bed. And I don't, you could say something in the beginning. I don't, I usually wait a little before I start adding my, my cues, but I just guide the puppy over. I don't even care if the puppy doesn't stay on the dog bed. They could just get the bone on the bed and then they could go into another space that they have access to if, if they're free to do whatever. I don't really care so much in the beginning about the puppy actually staying there mm-hmm. over time when the puppy sees I have a bone or hears that I'm opening the closet for the bone, where do they go? They run to the bed on their own. They're starting to associate that. I could choose to add a word at any point, or I could teach them a, a, a word separately as a training session. If I wanted to, that's kind of up to you and up to the dog. But I always start out that way with puppies or newly adopted dogs, where when I'm going to cook or when I'm going to eat, Here's something that I want you to do. So that way, when I'm doing whatever I'm doing, you're doing this. Mm -hmm. And then eventually that can, the bone might in some cases be able to fade out where when I'm cooking dinner, the dogs might just learn like, all right, he's doing that. He is not tending to us. We are to just kind of hang around or coexist or chill on the bed like I, I've had, I have a few videos I've posted recently where I'm cooking and my dogs are just sleeping on their beds. They don't have dog bones or anything like that. They just know like when I'm, when I'm cooking, just leave me alone. You can kind of do anything, you know, as long as you're not destroying the house or bothering each other, you can kind of do whatever. And that was just through teaching them in that real life scenario. When I am getting ready right before I get ready to cook, 
this is how I'm setting you up to be successful. Some puppies might need to be gated off. Some puppies might need to be in a pen. Some might need to be on a tether, like what you were saying, like Quest uh, was on all of those, all of those little protocols, tether, uh, baby gate, um, you know, where she was gated off just in the kitchen with me, where she was free in the kitchen, but couldn't leave the kitchen, um, was even in her playpen. I wanted her to experience all of those things. Um, so that way she kind of learn and navigate through each scenario. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I think that that just, I think that like created a lot of clarity for her to understand in this situation, this is how uh, we we live or how what is kind of expected yeah. in this scenario so like now like when i'm cooking dinner most of the time they're just chilling like i literally don't tell them to go there it's their you know they've kind of learned but it's their choice they'll wander and walk around the house or do whatever but i also trust them i know they're not going to do anything you know at this point to my house or to themselves or or anything like that but it just created predictability in the situation. So that way the dog understood or the dogs that we're working with understand in this situation, this is what you're doing or what maybe is expected or what's appropriate. You know, like I said before, it doesn't mean the dog needs to be necessarily like told or demanded. You must do this. Yeah. In certain situations you have to, because dogs are going to, some dogs like quest are going to make bad decisions and we need to help guide them so that way they're successful long term you know but in other scenarios they can just kind of do what they want as long as it's within those within the parameters that we're setting for them and i I really like uh the way you know there's traditional way of looking at this as in like oh you train the dogs to do this but like you said you don't necessarily need words like you going to the cupboard was a behavior like your behavior became a cue and the, that that triggered a bunch of other like it, it triggered a pattern which in itself became the cue so you go into the cupboard to get the bone to take to the bed created a pattern and then mm-hmm. over time you just go into the kitchen became the cue for them to just mm-hmm. do exactly it's it's not an obedience way of training which i i much prefer so that's kind of what i was touching on earlier like i'm not going to necessarily spend a lot of time teaching that person to st- stay on the bed like fuck, that's a lot of work like let's just do exactly what you just described like when you go in the kitchen where do you want roughly the dog to where do you want the dog to have access to and not have access to okay mm-hmm. let's let's set that up so whenever you whenever you go in and cook your dinner what are the things you don't want well you don't want the dog jumping up at you stealing food and nipping your thighs cool that's pretty low standard. That's staying for that. <laughs> right? It's a pretty <laughs> low standard. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but outside of that, fuck it, who cares? Um, yeah. Like, but then, okay, where would you like the dog to be in this area? Brilliant. Let's set that up. When you're in the kitchen, grab this, take it there. That will keep him there for a pretty, um, a fair amount of time. If you're, if you're dropping three pieces of kibble down there while you were going to cook for half an hour, that's on you. Get a bone, right? It's, yeah. it's just simple. It's simple, but it's really effective. In- yeah, and I'm not, re- and in those scenarios, I'm not even, uh, I'm not even rewarding the dog for anything. It's, it's just, here's your thing or things to keep you occupied. And again, it's going to kind of depend on how it's set up. So if the dog's on a tether, they really don't have much 
like really anywhere to go. No way of failing. The dogs, say again? No way of failing. Yeah, yeah. Um, if the dog is just kind of contained within the kitchen, which is what I did with Quest uh, as well, um, you're allowed to wander within the space if you want, um, as long as you're not trying to jump at the counter, jump at me, um, you know, cause any trouble of any kind. So after you're done chewing, you're allowed to do that. And honestly, a lot of the time she would, and most dogs will end up just kind of falling asleep, especially if their basic needs are, are being met uh, throughout yeah. the yeah. day. So, yeah, I, I think like, I just think these concepts and I, I'm not like saying, oh, you don't need to do obedience or whatever. Cause I mean, I, like I, I yeah. do a lot. I see in my videos, I do a lot of skill training and stuff. Cause I personally enjoy it. And like I was saying, some dogs need it, but like the, an everyday person who just wants their dog to chill out like this, this is in many respects in most situations, a lot easier and a lot more clear because all we're doing is, Hey, when I'm doing this, this is what's going on. I'm not, so, you know, we might need to teach the dog a little foundation sometimes on how to like maybe go on a bed, target a bed, lie down. Most cases you actually don't because the dog just learns over time. Like this is fine for me. Like I like chewing on the bone. I like hanging out with you in the room and, and this is what we're doing now. Yeah. Yeah. No, and then, like the, to your point, you know, the, around the obedience and like that interaction, like if you're, if that's going to fill your dog's cup and yours, absolutely do it. It's like so valuable yes. to both of you. If I tried to do that with my dog, I think he'd just laugh at me. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, it's like my grandfather's dog on the farm was saying, like, <laughs> I'd be like, what are we doing? Like, we just run around the property together, hunting rabbits and farming and chilling and exploring. And when you call me or ask me to do this or follow you or whatever, like I do it right. Like just because like, that's how they lived together. Whereas a training concept would would have been so weird for that dog because of how he was. Now, if he was in a different home, like if he was in my home, training probably wouldn't have been weird to him because I would have like, as I developed my relationship with him through playing and an understanding of each other, training would have been a fun little interaction in game. Cause that's what I want to do with my training is I want it to be a fun, you know, way of interacting together and connecting together. But, but yeah, you know, like it, with that, with that dog in that environment for him, that's what was working best, you know, with, with my grandfather. Are you gonna, on the other end of the scale, you're going to have dogs that are going to crave, like with that, I absolutely work with dogs where I'm like, you know what, the best way you can fill this dog's cup and enrich their life is to just invest in a few minutes a day of just playing some games and interacting mm-hmm. and training because yeah. they like that more than going to play with dogs or going for a walk or whatever, anything else. That is their thing. So go and do it. Yeah. Um, and it's the environment that they are living in because maybe, maybe they're craving to you know, maybe they're craving to go herd sheep, but you live like me in the suburbs where you don't have access to that all the time. And then, you know, your dog is constantly seeking attention and is maybe accidentally getting reinforced for certain behavior. Then, yeah, maybe your dog will benefit from training and play and all that type of stuff because, at least it's something if the dog's seeking your attention, at least now the dog can have your attention together 
and learning skills. And again, like I said, it depends on not only the dog, it also depends on the owner because some owners need that structure. You know, like for me, when I first started going to the gym and working out, I needed my brother-in-law, who is a personal trainer, to give me the guidance and the instruction. Because when I went there, I was like, what the hell am I doing? Like, what? Like, I see the machines, I could do these things, but like, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't register to me. I need, I need the structure to understand like, you know, this day you're doing this stuff, this day you're focusing on this stuff, you know, and then I was able, once I had that plan, I was able to run with it. So I think that like, for some people that is valuable to them. Yeah, Um, absolutely. It's, it goes back in like, and like, and this is kind of going on topic a bit, but it goes back into understanding the individuals in front of you and what are their preferences. Like, how do you meet that individual's need? And I'm talking about the dogs and the kit and the guardians. Like, yeah, that's that's I love that part of my job. That's fun. That's the fun part. <laughs> like, yeah, makes it the most challenging too because you're dealing with two um, individuals, you know, um, and especially when things are not clear or there's a misunderstanding within like either an expectation or communication or the owner is misunderstanding, um, you know, what their dog is actually saying or feeling. It makes it very challenging uh, for us and for obviously for them to live together. That's why they might call us (laughs) for help, but it can, it can sometimes present itself as a, as a challenge because, we're trying to kind of explain or advocate for the dog as well as for the owner. Cause we want the owner to have success and enjoy their dog. Cause the whole point, the whole point of having a family dog uh, is to enjoy them and to, uh, you know, kind of like build this little relationship and, and joy uh, together. That's the only reason. Like at the end of the day, that's to enhance. That's, I guess that's the way I was trying yeah. to say it to enhance your life and like theirs. The, yeah. The thing that I've been saying for years, the, the whole point of it is to make you and them happy. Right. Like, it's just like, just to bring joy into each other's lives. Right. Yeah. It's uh, well, yeah. No one gets a dog, you know, to like, no one's getting a dog to want it to cause more frustration and stress. In their no. no, do you know what? I want more problems. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Oh, mate. Mate, I, um, we're going to wrap it up there. That has been, um, such a great chat. I have thoroughly enjoyed it and I really Me appreciate too. you, uh, coming on today. Um, yeah, no problem. This was great. Before we go, um, just let everybody know where can, if anybody's listening in, um, where can they find you? Um, so they can look you up. Yeah. So, um, you can, you'll probably have it in your show notes on how to spell my last name, but demarinasdogtraining.com or an easier one to go to, it goes to the same site is myaggressivedog.com. Um, so you could go there, you could find me and then, um, my podcast with my friend Vinny Viola is the Canine Classroom podcast, and you can uh, find that on Spotify and Apple and a couple other subscription services. Um, and that's more geared, honestly, towards uh, the dog enthusiast and the dog trainer, not so much like just your everyday uh, client. We're usually discussing more uh, in-depth topics with ourselves or 
or other colleagues, um, you know, and uh, sometimes it gets heated or controversial, but that's like, you know, the point and we have a good time with it. And we're making a lot of uh, nice relationships through that with a lot of people that we don't know. So, yeah, so that's kind of where you can find me. And then you can find me on social media. Again, same thing, my my business, DeMarinas Dog Training. Um, so you can find me on, on uh, Facebook and Instagram that way. Brilliant, mate. Thank you so much. And uh, I'll speak to you again soon. All right. All right, man. That was great. Thanks so much for listening. That's it for this week, guys. If you ever want to ask questions, give feedback, or just provide some suggestions regarding the podcast, find me on Ian Shivers Dog Advocate on Instagram. I'll be happy to help. If you're feeling really generous, leave us a review on whatever platform it is that you're listening to this podcast on. And if you want to nerd out more with us, then find our sponsors because they're the ones that make all of this possible. See you next week. This episode is sponsored by Canine Caregivers. I've had so many people reach out to me over the years, not knowing where to turn to online for reliable and consistent advice on how to raise a healthy and happy dog. The information out there is hard to navigate. It's hard to know who to trust and who not to trust. And frankly, some of it is just downright dangerous. That's why we created Canine Caregivers, a place where you can come and get educational resources and access a supportive community founded on the care approach for people just like you, whether you've just brought a dog into your life or you've got a dog that is experiencing some unwanted behaviors. The content is updated regularly and we constantly keep in touch with our members to make sure that we are bringing relevant and up-to-date content that truly matters to you. There's different tiers of membership for different needs. So you can be sure that you don't have to break the bank to access the information that can literally make all the difference to the quality of life between you and your dog. Head to caninecaregivers.com.au to learn more.